Hello, and welcome to another episode of Under the Radar SFF Books Podcast. My name is Blaze. I will be your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you may be around the world. If you're new to this show, please feel free to subscribe, like, give a recommendation. All feedback is welcome. It not only helps me grow as a person, but also helps the podcast grow as well. So thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Tonight, I'm looking to do a deep dive into one of my all-time favorite epic fantasy series and a series that, to this very day, holds the title as Under the Radar to the Nth Degree, even though this series has been around for well over a decade, and that is Shadows of the Apt by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Now, most readers in the science fiction and fantasy community know the writer Adrian Tchaikovsky for his well-known science fiction series, Children of Time, as well as the book Doors of Eden. And for good reason, those are fantastic books. But what I find very surprising is that fewer and fewer people who I've spoken to know about his first published series, an epic fantasy series of that, of ten books, titled Shadows of the Apt. Adrian's first book in this series, titled Empire in Black and Gold, which was indeed his debut novel, was first published in 2008, and the final book in the series, titled Seal of the Worm, was published in 2014. And when new readers pick up this series for the first time, the overwhelming reaction I see when they finish the first book is, holy crap, wow, Where has this book been all my life? I can't believe I have missed this series for so long. I've seen it time and time again. And tonight I'm hoping to do a deep dive into the misconception behind this series and what makes it so special, not only to me, but to all epic fantasy lovers around the world. So I'd like to hit the nail on the head, so to speak, and do a dive into why I feel this series has gone under the radar for longer than it had needed to be. First is misconception about the covers, and I'm going to be talking about the latest release of these covers, which was done about a year ago. So I'm sure if you're at your computer or you're on your phone and you're looking at this book on Amazon or Goodreads, you're going to come across the first book titled, again, Empire in Black and Gold, and you're going to see a picture of a bee. If you look at the second book in the series, titled Dragonfly Falling, you're going to see a picture of a dragonfly. Book number three is titled Blood of the Mantis, and you're going to see a mantis, etc., etc., etc. And your probably first thought is going to be, oh, there's a big bug or insect on the cover. I don't really like insects, or I don't know where the story's going to go. It's probably not for me. And that's the first misconception about this epic fantasy series. There are aspects of insects in this book, and it's very prevalent, but it's not done in the way you might think. The characters who inhabit this world are primarily human beings like you and I, who have the same traits, the same goals, the same level of interactions with other characters. Betrayals happen, love happens, war happens. It's all-encompassing of everything we know to be as people. Now, the cool thing about this is where the insect part comes in. All different races in this world are called kindin. And what kindin are is it takes certain 
aspects of insects and incorporates it into certain types of people. Now, let me give you an example of that. Prevalent in a part of this world called the lowlands in a city called Collegium, which is primarily run by people called Beetlekinden. Now, Beetlekinden inhabit a lot of the aspects of beetles. They tend to be shorter, they tend to be a little more stockier, they're stronger, and they're very good at building things. Like the, one of the main characters, his name is Stenwald Maker. He is an artificer and he is good at building, um, let's say, tools, and he's good at building machines for defense against the Wasp Empire. There are also dragonfly kinden who inhabit the common wheel in the north. Now, dragonfly kinden tend to view themselves as the royal family, so to speak, and don't really inhabit with other kinden that much. They're great warriors with swords, and they can also fly. There are also, moving along from the book covers of 1, 2, and 3, mantis kinden. One of our main characters, and personally my favorite of the series, his name is Tissamon. Tissamon is a basically a fantastic warrior and kind of like an assassin type warrior with a sword. He's very deadly. He's very stealth. He has a lot of pride, very much like a like a Japanese shogun. And he will steal your heart and will also crush it from time to time. Now, the final group of kingdom which I'm going to talk about today is the Wasp Kingdom. Now, the Wasp Kingdom of the east are the empirical force looking to invade the lowlands and the free societies. Waskinden have a huge army. They can fly. They can shoot fireballs from their hand. They are a force to be reckoned with, and they, apart from other characters throughout the course of this series, will primarily be the main enemy for the series. Now, we do get several viewpoint characters from the Wasp Kingdom, including Thalric. Now, Thalric is probably the most confusing and one of the hardest characters to pin down that I have read in fiction, apart from Tyrion Lannister. He takes orders from the Wasp Empire, including his generals, but he's always out for his own personal gain. He will make several different decisions which are not in the best interest of the Empire, that are not necessarily in the best interest of himself, but he's always looking to gain the upper hand, regardless of where the outcome may be. Now, with all that being said, what are the overall themes that we would be reading in Shadows of the Apt? Well, of course, as I mentioned earlier, the main theme is war. War between society or kindin, imposing their will on the free states of Collegium and the Commonweal and more different lands that we would be visiting in future books. Friendship and love are two other main themes that will play a big role in this work. Several of our characters will develop friendships and also love interests with other characters, and this will be heartfelt. It will also be crushing in some ways. Let me also mention one thing. With the different types of kindin inhabiting the world, there are groups of kindin that are bitter rivals with each other, and these will be an undertone throughout the whole series that we need to pay attention to. An example of that is the mantid kindin are bitter rivals with the spider kindin going back centuries and centuries, and we get to learn more about that and how they interact. Conversely, 
the Mantid Kingdom are really good allies with the Moth Kingdom. Now, Moth Kingdom I didn't mention earlier, but they are basically the wizards or seers of the series. They can predict the future, they use their magic in order to influence other Kindon, and the Mantis used to be their right hand, so to speak. And as you can probably guess from the title and how I've been saying that the Empire of the Wasp are trying to conquer the free cities of the Lowlands and the Collegium, Beetle, Kindon, and Wasp Kindon are bitter enemies as well, and those will be prevalent throughout the first book and the rest of the series as well. And with that, there are also Kindon who are hybrids of each other, so they inhabit traits from two different Kindons. One of my favorite characters in this series, his name is Totho. He's an apprentice of Stenwold Maker in Collegium. He is part beetle and part ant. He is a great technician, he's a fantastic builder and inventor, and he develops a relationship, or I should say he wants to have a relationship, with Stemwell's niece, Cheerwell Maker. And that relationship, or lack thereof, will take place in the first book, and you'll see how it grows over time. One final theme I wish to discuss is the tug of war being played between the old magic and the emerging technology in the world. Now, let me explain. There are two types of Kindon and two types of abilities that they have. If you have the ability to use magic, such as the Mothkinden, and use your powers to affect other people, or to affect the world around you, or any type of aspect you can think of, you are called inapt. I-N-A-P-T. If you lose the ability to use your powers, whether through time, or you forgot how to use your powers, in some way or form, then you become apt, A-P-T, and you become basically a technician and are able to use technology, much like the Beetlekinden and even the Ankinden. And that constant tug of war is going to play a huge role in the series, and especially in book one. It plays a huge, huge role, and it will blow your mind as to how Adrian crafts these two different aspects and weaves them into a wonderful work of art. Now that I got your juices flowing, at least I hope so, let's talk about the characters who inhabit this world and they will absolutely steal your heart for the long run. I'm not going to talk about the characters I mentioned earlier because that would just be repetitious. Um, the first character I want to talk about is Cheerwell Maker. As I mentioned before, she is a Beetlekinden residing in Collegium of the Lowlands. She is the niece of Stenwold Maker. She is very smart. She is very adventurous. She always is looking for the next big thing, but she seems to be afraid of her own shadow. And she's always doubting herself and what she can possibly do. And her growth throughout the whole series is probably one of the best character works you could possibly see in an epic fantasy series. Conversely, Cheerwell Maker has a foster sister by the name of Tynisa. Now, Tynisa was adopted by Stemwold Maker, who is Cheerwell's uncle and also Tynisa's uncle. And Tynisa is a Spiderkinden. Now, Spiderkinden is one of the ones I didn't mention earlier. They are very secretive. 
They are very smart. They are very stealthy. And they are not to be trusted, to say the least. They always have hidden agendas. They always are looking out for themselves. And they will stick a knife in your back if they see that that is in their best interest to do. Now, Tynisa is very brave. She's very smart. She is very talented when it comes to fighting, especially with a blade, and is looking to prove herself, not only to the people of Collegian, but to other kindin around the world in order to prove herself. She always has that drive to be better than the next person next to her. And that will be a prevalent role playing not only in book one, but the rest of the series as well. And I'm sorry, I know I mentioned this before, but I need to talk about Totho. Now, Totho will absolutely melt your heart in many different ways. His longing for Cheerwell Maker is some of the most emotionally powerful dialogue and actions you could read in any series, let alone this one. And also, since he's a hybrid Kindon, he's always the underdog. He's always looked down upon by pure-blood Kindon. And that plays a huge role in not only his interactions, his upbringing, his motivations, and his desire to just make something of himself. And his arc throughout the series is one that can't spoil anything, but it'll definitely have your eyes opening and will make you realize that, wow, even the little guy can make a big difference and you're just not sure which way he's going to go. Now let's talk about Adrian Tchaikovsky's writing style. Now for those of you who have read Adrian's previous works before can attest to this. And anybody new to Adrian's works, let me just tell you that his prose are technically sound, riveting, beautiful. They just flow from page to page. And they're also stacked with layers and layers and layers of detail. Especially in the first book, you'll see this. Certain information introduced, like in the first couple chapters, play a huge role down the road, not only at the end of this book, but in future books. Some of my favorite authors, such as Steven Erickson in his Malazan series and Jenny Wirtz, War of Light and Shadow series, they do this as well, but just to a much higher degree than maybe Adrian would, but the payoff is tremendous, as you would come to expect. Now... Also riddled in this world are different types of land and geography, whether that would be the Collegium, which is in the lowlands next to the ocean, and it's a city with a college and free business flowing, what have you. There's also the deserts, which is inhabited by the Scorpion Kindon, which is a big, brutish, warrior-type class, very much in the same focus of ancient Greece. We also have the forests. That's called the Durakion, and it's probably one of the most haunting places you would ever want to visit. You also have the common wheel to the north, inhabited by the Dragonfly Kindon, which are more, more forest locations and more marshes and stuff like that. And finally, we have the Wasp Empire in the east, brutish, terrible living conditions. We have slavery, we have torture, we have death. We have an inner police force working for the Empire with their own motivations. It's just a terrible, terrible, terrible Empire, and their reign will not be easily stopped. And one thing Adrian Tchaikovsky is not, and that is predictable. 
none of the twists coming in this series are predictable to say the least. Every single twist, turn, stab, push, punch, what have you, will not be seen by a mile away. In fact, you will probably jump with glee if you predict one of these twists to be correct. I know I did many years ago, and still to this day, while I'm doing my reread, I'm actually listening to the audibles done by the brilliant actor Ben Allen. And if you're looking to pick up this series for the first time, let me highly recommend the audible books for you. And with the final three books in this series about to be released on Audible in November, wraps up this beautiful series and this masterpiece to a final conclusion, and us all the better for it because it reaches a far more bigger audience than I could have ever hoped for, and it's the kind of drive and it's the kind of exposure this series deserves. Every action and every scene will build on the next in an ever-evolving step-by-step process that will just leave you in awe as to how this could possibly end on a bright note. And I promise you by the end, you will be amazed and have a new fan favorite in your TBR repertoire and on your shelf for the rest of your days. This is one of my all-time favorite series to this very day, even though I read it over 10 years ago, and I do not see that changing anytime soon. Shadows of the Apt is 100% a character-driven epic, and it always asks the questions of motivations. What are people's motivations for doing anything in life? Is it for love? Is it for revenge? Is it for popularity? Is it for fame? Is it to stick it to the person sitting next to you. All of that is in this series. Anything you can think of in terms of what inspires people, whether for good or bad, whether just or unjust, you will find in this series. I guarantee it. You will laugh. You will cry. You will cheer. You will scream in both happiness and in fear for what is to come. Nothing is as it seems. No stone will be left unturned, no territory will go unexplored, and the best is only yet to come with Adrian Tchaikovsky, and I pray to God that he revisits this world sometime soon. According to Adrian, there are no future plans to revisit this world after the conclusion of this 10-book epic series, but hopefully with this increased exposure, especially with the Audible books, we can get this series moving again and It needs a bigger following. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. And I need more entries into this world just so I can promote it to everyone here. And thank you for all listening to me ramble on for, oh, what are we going on? About 19 minutes. Never thought I'd make it this long, but here we are. So that'll wrap up my deep dive of Shadows of the App series by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Every single book in the whole series gets 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, 100, however you want to rate it. It's a masterpiece. There's no other words that can possibly describe it. There are no words I can put into the ether to express more my love for this series. And I hope if you're listening to this and you're a fan of the series, you will help promote it just as much as I do. And if you are new to this series, that you will dive headfirst into it and just be as awed and as in love with the series as I was when I first read it back in 2008. So thank you very much for listening to me. 
from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. Happy reading, everyone. And of course, cheers.